Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. Hi there, leader, and welcome to episode 54 of the Still Space podcast, How Do We Get and Keep Happiness? Do you ever wonder what happiness really is? Our get more and be more culture wants you to strive to thrive, get a little more thin, little more house, little more compensation, a little more attractive, a little more young, more accessories, and you'll be happy. As if happiness is an acquisition, get this and you'll have that. Then you quote, get there and you feel empty, alone, unsatisfied. Or you don't quote, get there And you cling to the illusion that when you do, you'll be happy. So you just keep striving on that treadmill to nowhere as if the harder you work, the closer you'll be to happy. And not only do you feel empty and frustrated, but now also exhausted and frustrated. Two things happened to me recently that made me grateful and happy. One of my employees gave me a card on her two-year work anniversary, thanking me for being her boss, helping her grow, promoting her, and advocating for her along the way. Secondly, recently, two of my children came over for dinner and to watch TV with me while my husband was out of the country. And it was so much fun that they came back the next night. And these are children in their 30s. For me, that is being happy. The feeling travels with you, whatever the situation. I've had lots of unhappy situations, but the general feeling of happiness always wins out. It's a state of mind, not an acquisition or an accomplishment or an outcome. It is the feeling that emerges when the way you live your life draws people to you such that you both realize the grace of living for the good of all. You believe in yourself, your strength, your power, your ability to give and receive love because you are worthy of all of it. It's a place where achievement is not king. The purposeful act of getting better every day Life mastery is more than enough. No hustle, no pretense, no competition, 
no resentment, and no misconception that there is a lid on happiness. There's enough to go around. I used to be on that treadmill to nowhere, and I used to be that person who had all the things and felt empty. I knew there was something I was missing, and I worked very hard to figure it out, and that's what I help my clients with today, because unless we know how to unravel the assumptions and the expectations and all of the things that we've been programmed with over our lifetime, unless we know how to anticipate because our brains are already hardwired to keep us safe so we play safe except a famine isn't coming a flood most likely isn't coming but we're always on the alert for danger unless we know how to anticipate this and what to do about it it's very hard to move away from this ominous feeling that something bad is going to happen and yes Research shows that people are usually either optimistic or pessimistic. And resilience lies with the people who are more optimistic. And if you look at people with post-traumatic stress disorder, the research will show you that now the military can actually anticipate with testing which people are going to most likely get post-traumatic stress disorder and those who won't. And more data and research is coming out to show that resilience isn't always the best indicator of someone who's going to have happiness, although it's very strongly so. Now researchers are looking more at the ability to grow, being resilient, and the interest in growing and learning and being better. I know that I am constantly in a learning mode. I am just a, an adult learner by nature. I'm reading four or five books at a time on my nightstand. My husband is always saying to me, have you finished any of those? Because I read into them and if they're not very good, I actually don't finish them because I don't have this desire to say I finished a book that isn't very good. So I'll move on and, and start reading something more appropriate. And a lot of this is why after a long day in my executive role, I coach in the early evenings because a life in the dead zone to happiness where you feel empty and you don't understand how to be happy and you've just accepted that you're never going to be happy, that is a dead end and not fair. Nobody belongs outside of the state of happy. So if you're not career and life happy, there are things that you can do to learn more about yourself and what motivates you. Research shows that when people apply their signature strengths, they will be more resilient. But if you don't know what those signature strengths are, it's hard to apply them. So when you think about the last conflict that you had with somebody or the last difficult situation that you were in, if you were to rewind to that situation and then apply your signature strength to that, how might you have dealt with it differently? So let's just apply that to a situation that I had recently. I had a difficult conversation with somebody and I chose not to engage. So I knew that this conversation was going to go in a negative direction. So I withdrew. 
And if I look at my signature strengths, I love to bring humor to things. If I had used my strength of humor, what I might have said would have been something like this. Do you think if people saw us talking right now, they would say that we're aligned colleagues or collaborative or working in a congenial way? And the other person probably would have laughed because we weren't. So this was a pattern interrupt. It was a way I could have applied my signature strength, maybe broken the ice of the situation a little bit more, and we could have probably come to a meeting of the minds instead of really what ended up being an unproductive situation. Another example of using your signature strengths, recently I was at a, a document that uh, was updated and was a, a leading document for my organization. And I saw some things that were likely to become a problem for us. And I could have done a big woe with me or gotten angry or been frustrated over this, but instead I immediately used my strength of strategy, applied that, and worked with somebody to figure a workaround such that the anticipated detriment of this document uh, was thwarted because we were able to craft something to do that. But when we're talking about happiness, I think that we have to also keep in mind our own ego. And after 19 years as a corporate CEO, while also working 12 as an executive coach, the biggest challenge I repeatedly see for leaders and for anyone in the workforce is managing their own ego. And this applies to personal relationships, friendships, collaboration in the community. If we don't understand our ego and how it plays into our happiness and our effectiveness, we're undermining our own power. If you have the self-awareness to see precisely when your ego is engaged, when it rises up, inserts doubt into the equation, and needs to be pacified, you're a third of the way there. If you have go-to practices to self-regulate the way we cover over difficult emotions, such as the doubt, the frustration, the disappointment, sadness, and anger. These things emerge when the ego is threatened. You are two-thirds there. Examples of those coverings are overcompensating by needing to be heard. Who hasn't seen that at a meeting? Withdrawing, getting on the work treadmill to nowhere in an effort to prove yourself. Lashing out playing small, distancing in relationships, binge eating down our disappointments, reaching for vices, avoiding, avoiding relationships, avoiding discussions that need to happen, avoiding work that needs to be done, discontinuing exercise routines as we minimize our own self-care practices, and general lack of self-care. And when you want to get it right more than you want to be right, listen more than you speak, hear feedback as an opportunity, not a criticism, know that done is better than perfect, have a strong back, yet a soft belly, can walk into any situation and know how to position your signature strengths and value proposition to serve and draw people to you because your persona breeds confidence trust, likability, you have the final piece. That is self-acceptance. 
and can finally lasso the ego. So let's review those three things again. If you have self-awareness to notice when the ego is rising up and telling you, oh, you're not safe, you're not safe, you better, and then whatever your default behavior is, lash out, be mean, withdraw, defend yourself, freeze in place. That's self-awareness. The second is to self-regulate. This is self-control. But not only self-control, it's when you're able to see something before it's full-blown in your behavior. You're noticing it. Oh, yes, I could really lash out in this situation. I know I have in the past, but I don't like being stereotyped for that. So I'm going to take a still space moment, breathe deeply, allow this to flow through me, bring some of my signature strengths to this maybe, and exhale anything that doesn't belong. And that last piece of self-acceptance is where you don't need to be perfect. You don't even need to be right. You can observe. You can sit in a meeting where everybody's going around the table and not sit there formulating in your head, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? But actually listen to everybody in a thinking environment, one after another after another. Let them speak. And then when it's your turn, take a deep in-breath. Okay, I need to take all of this in. I guess what I can contribute is this, and that might be a question that hasn't been asked, it might be a statement, but that's self-acceptance. Confidence is not, they will like me, it is, I will be fine if they don't. Now there's a fine line there between, well, I don't care if people don't like me because I see a lot of this right now in the workplace. I just need to be me. You're not accepting me as me. I think that we really have to look at what is the barometer? What is the dashboard of our culture? If our culture is to bring authenticity to work, is there a boundary around that such that we are not going to be disrespectful arrogant, uh, not kind, and everybody can say, I'm being kind, this is just me. Well, sometimes I think we have to own that being just me may be a little brass or maybe abrasive or not uh, being as curious as you are being heard. So I think we have to keep that in mind when we're thinking about bringing our authenticity to our office in order to have happiness. It makes me sad when really good people don't reach the leadership roles they deserve because someone with charisma finessed the process better. And if you doubt your value to your organization, to yourself, or to any prospective organization, understand that that shows. It shows. You don't think it does? But it does. You play small there. People don't count on you. They don't think they can rely on you. It is extremely difficult to advance and feel fulfilled if you doubt your efficacy, your ability to fit in, and your relevance. You deserve to know that whatever other people see in you when they see you, you need to understand what that is. You may not like having to know what they see in you. This is why 360 evaluations are very important. And if you don't have a 360 
mechanism within your organization, I think it's really helpful to say to people that you trust, hey, I know that you probably don't want to be honest with me, but can you help me understand how I'm coming across? Because if you're not advancing, you're not seen as collaborative, if you think you've been stereotyped, you really want to understand how you're showing up. And then get down behind the scenes into, well, what's behind that? Am I trying to prove myself? Do I really doubt myself? Am I trying too hard? Am I playing too small? Am I playing too big outside of my lane? If you don't have specificity on how you're perceived by others, I have a checklist on my website. You can go to maryleegannon.com. It's the first link on the top of the homepage. Download that checklist. And I think after you fill that out, you will understand where you might not be being perceived as you wish that you would. It really gets down into how others perceive you. Even though it's a little bit hard to fill out, even though it might be a little bit painful to face some of this, it really gives you power to understand what other people see when they see you. If you want to build self-awareness, if you want to build your ability to self-regulate, if you want to grow your self-acceptance, it starts with lassoing the ego. Being open and curious to what that ego is reminding you, is telling you. Because you know that's fiction. We've talked about this before. That's fiction. It's just the side of you that's trying to keep you safe, but it also keeps you small. Curious about it. Stand naked with your vulnerability and say, hey, what's going on there? What are you trying to protect me from? Because you're kind of in the way. I need you to know that you can ride around on my shoulders instead of you dancing in front of my eyes because I can't see past you to opportunities that are there in front of me. I've got this. Come on, get up on my shoulders. So I want to close today with a passage that I wrote for parents who are struggling and people who have lost maybe a parent, a child, someone close to them, Because I think this time of year where there's so much pressure on Mother's Day, Father's Day, and not everybody is in a safe place or a good place on those days. So I want you to know that I see you. I see you loving and tirelessly supporting your children, wondering if you're doing enough. I see you loving a child who doesn't seem to love you back. Still, you love them more because that's who you are. I see you missing the children who live away. I see you loving the child you never had and how you give that love to others. I see you loving the child who is gone and the darkness of your sorrow that sometimes seem to have no light or end. I see you being a mother or a father to so many who need you. I see you missing your mom and or your dad and how you wish you could say just a few more things to her, to him. I see you wearing all the hats, child, sibling, friend, cousin, leader, spouse, colleague, grandchild, parent, grandparent, 
and trying to remember where you put the hat labeled me. I see you making lunches, making phone calls, making things work, making practice, making ends meet, making happy when sometimes you just aren't. I see you wishing you would have done things differently and then realizing that we all do the best we can with what we know at the time. And that judgment on self serves no one. So you continue to remain open to learn and grow. I see you wishing you had a partner to co-parent some of that responsibility and almost forgetting how lovely it would be to just have a partner to love you. I see you watching other people and their families and asking why their life seems better when in fact, quote, better is what you feel when you realize the precious moments that are solely yours. I see you and raise a glass of hugs and smiles to you for your courage, your strength, your resourcefulness, your hope, your laughter, your tears, your triumphs, your resilience, and mostly for your endless capacity to love. And love big, even in the face of doubt and what feels like defeat. You are my hero. You change lives. You are the compassionate overseer of all that matters in the chaos and the magic of life. Happy day, my friend. Okay, leader, many of you have reached out and asked me what it's like to work with me in my Mindful Leader Satisfied Life Circle. So I'm going to give you a very brief overview of exactly what you get in working with me for that six-month program. You get transformation. You get walking into any room, any situation, knowing you belong, having control, having people come to you. But on a tangible basis, what does that look like? It starts with seven one-on-one laser-focused individual coaching sessions with me over six months. And then access to the six months of live weekly small group coaching calls And because you know I only coach a handful of people, sometimes there are only two or three people on those calls. Sometimes it's only you and me. So that's like another weekly coaching session. And you get to get the perspective of other executive leaders who are in the same place that you are. Get six-month access to my Mindful Leader Satisfied Life time-saving assets, trainings, modules, and all kinds of workbooks that personalize this to you. The self-discovery is inspiring. Can't wait to get on to the next module and see how much more self-control you'll have over those negative thoughts that have been holding you back. There's a private online community where we can share daily questions, but the special bonus is you have 24-7 email access to me. I'm your coach on call. You want me to look at your resume? I'm happy to. Any of the exercises that you're having difficulty with, you don't have to wait to the call. You just reach out to me and I will get back to you within 24 work hours. You're having a problem at work with somebody? I'm your coach on call. 
There's a leadership intake analysis that I read on my own time so that I can get more background on you and not have to use up your sessions with me. And exclusive to this program, Flow on the Go Weekly Planner, where you can track your routines, track your gratitude, track what's changing, what's showing up for you. Well, what does this look like over the six months, Mary Lee? Okay, number one, that first month, you notice your patterns, your habits. You start noticing the patterns and habits of others. You have defined your signature strengths and your personal values, and you're applying those. And now you're starting to dream again. You have a vision for yourself, for your career and your life. You've stopped judging yourself and others. In month two, this is where I've taught you how to self-regulate with curiosity. You process difficult and stale emotions and release them. You replace your stuck story with how you're not whatever enough. And you are now creating a career plan with confidence, feeling worthy. You have self-control over negative thoughts, over your behavior. And months three to six, you are playing blue sky big. You are soaring here. You are self-empowered. You execute your career and life plan. You shine, apply for stretch roles if that's what you want. You have better relationships and control over your food intake, your sleep, your exercise, your self-care. You have compassion for yourself. And you know that person that you really dislike? You actually have compassion for them. So there is a link in the show notes, maryleegannon.com slash consultation. Go ahead and apply. I will reach out. I'll set up a phone call with you. We can go over some of the details, but I'm interested in helping you be that mindful leader with a satisfied life. And there's no reason to wait because it happens quickly. I'm glad you were with me today and I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website maryleegannon.com where you can also learn more about working with me. 